everybody welcome to I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Clint. And I'm Leah Stalker. Oh my god. A third voice. Leah from Pure Macabre. How the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. Well, everybody, this is a special occasion. This is the inaugural edition of our new subcast. I don't even know if subcast is a real term. I just made it up and it sounds pseudo-electual. So I was like, screw it. We'll go with it. You know, our new subcast, this is going to be focusing on independent projects, misfit artists, up and comers, first timers. Uh, We want to make sure that everybody gets the spotlight. And sometimes we can't always highlight everybody on the main show or our other subcasts like we like to. So not only is this the inaugural edition, which is super cool, but this is the first time that Brian, myself, and Leah have sit down and recorded together. So this is really cool. It's fun being actually with people recording instead of just being by myself and staring at a monitor and recording alone. The first film, and it's not always going to be films, I'll let Brian get to that in a second. But the first film that we are going to discuss is is True Indie, something that was set, sent to us by a gentleman. And I'm sorry if I screw up his name. It is, uh, it's not Gorilla, but I think it is Gorilla Metropolitana. I believe that's his name. And he directed a film called Darius. Uh, we just want to let you know that not all the films that we cover, not everybody's going to like because these are experimental. And these are experimental is the best way to say it. So... I don't know how happy Leah is to actually be here after us making her watch this film. When I told someone that I was going to be watching an independent film, she automatically went to the bottom of the barrel, was like, oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be so like, um, just like gore porn. And I was like, no, they wouldn't do that. And then I watched the film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, this is how, this is what we're doing. But I know it's not always going to be like this. I did survive. I'm here. I, I, I'm here to talk about it. I forgive you all. That's, that's how we'll start the episode is I, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But I forgive you guys for having me watch this. <laughs> so what was the film at the bottom of that person's barrel? A Serbian film. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> So we've talked in the past, and you said it, not every film is going to be for everybody. Um, This film that we're going to talk about is very art house to me, very different. It's a very different film. Um, And even Serbian film, a lot of people will say, and I've never seen it. I know what it's about. I know some of the premises of it and what happens in the movie. A lot of people will say... Even that film has merit because he was in the film. The director was talking about politics in the film and the way he was raised in the country he was raised in and a lot of the censorship in that country. And that's his underlying theme. I don't know that that's true. But if you go back to a film like Necromantic, which is another independent film, not sure you've seen that, but it's... I have. I actually have seen that one. So the guy that directed that was like oh, I can't make this movie. Fuck you, I'm going to make this movie. He's like, censorship in Germany at the time was awful. And it's still, I have some friends that live in Germany. It's still really hard to get any kind of violence and gore. They're very open to sex in Europe, but not violence and gore. And I feel like it's the complete opposite here in the United States. You can't show boobs on TV, but you can show somebody blowing their head off or jumping off a building or how many times did during 9-11 did they show the planes hitting and hitting in it? But, you know, there's a boob and people will go ape shit. So his premise for that movie was like, fuck you, I'm going to make this movie. And then he went to the Supreme Court in Germany and was like, this is art. And they agreed. So his movie came out. 
and there's some basis in this movie that it's art of some kind. The music was beautiful and so on. Well, you know, watching this film, Brian, it, um, one of the first things that popped in my mind, you know, I always love to plug old episodes, was when we had Brent Edgett on the show back when Jason was a co-host and we did the whole Shock Cinema episode where we covered multiple films. You know, things like Last House on the Left and I Spit on Your Grave and, and you know, Necromantic, I think, came up in that conversation and others. I guess I just want to put this out there since this is the inaugural edition. The tone of this show isn't necessarily always going to be kind of dark and edgy like this is. Not that this there's anything wrong with this film being dark and edgy. It is what it is. That's what it's supposed to be. But we're also going to be covering local bands. Uh, we've got what comic book artists that have sent us things. Just a few a few movies to mention. Uh, my friend Chris Krupe, who, Leah, I know you know he runs uh, Decompositions, does all the corpse skeletons and stuff. He made a film back in, it's not in front of me, I think it was 2014, called Old Denton Road, about the legend of you know Denton Road. That was one of the first films he ever made. So, uh, And then, of course, we met... Um, Director Anthony Moran at Motor City Legacy, he gave me his film, Let Us In. Our friend James Asriel, who runs the the movie prop thing that I always forget how to pronounce, he was that flashback. You remember what that's called, Brian? His I don't even remember. I feel it's a disservice, James. I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the thing. But if you've gone to horror conventions and seen massive uh, a massive wall of movie memorabilia, it's James Asriel. He did a film called It's Just a Game. I mean, we're going to kind of cover the gamut here and we just happened to kick it off with Darius by please don't make me pronounce the director's name again because it was really tough the first time. I think it's the Horror and Sci-Fi Prop Preservation Association. It's like the yeah, like like HIPAA or however that acronym works. HSPPA. Yes. It's not HIPAA because that's against medical stuff. And then it's not the HSPCA because that's the dog and cat people. That make you cry when you watch the commercial with Sarah McLaughlin on it. I think James came up with a difficult name just to be difficult. Curse you, James. Let's get into Darius. Brian, like you said, this is kind of like an art house film, almost a conceptual film. Maybe it, it kind of comes across as like a uh, like maybe a final for a film grad. And it was actually comprised of vignettes. And then each of the vignettes were very kind of hyper-stylized. It had the flow as far as story of a traditional movie, but it didn't play on the screen like a traditional movie. And I'm sure you guys caught this. Some of the audio clips still haunt me. It relied heavy on amped up audio. It started out with the audio of a baby crying, which is distressing for anybody. If you have kids or not, if you hear a baby crying, you just immediately want it to stop. And it cried throughout the whole film and it made you uncomfortable. It, it actually kind of reminded me, Brian, of a combat shock did you catch that? Yeah, from Trauma, that baby crying. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that baby. Oh, that's the worst part of that movie. Even more importantly is that there was, in my notes, I have that there was a baby crying, but then it was the bone cracking sound and then silence. So even the sounds were disturbing, but then they used the silence just as well because that actually it, like kind of ugly laughed at first but it was also like pretty disturbing just to hear a baby crying bone cracking then silence that fucked me up even more and it was that meaty bone too it was like someone just violently murdered this baby because it, it won't stop crying and again this this it's we're looking at a black screen this is all audio and then of course it's followed up with the title sequence and that uh Darius which is the name of the movie comes up and of course the eye in Darius is very phallical uh resembles a penis a deformed looking penis and spooges all over the screen again with the 
sound effects amped up. No, I have some inside info on that penis, and I'm not sure anybody wants to hear it. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) So we were given this movie to screen by the director. Say his name. Say his fucking name. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, He's an Italian gentleman that lives in England, I believe he said. Um, So he grew up during that heyday of Italian film, you know, Cannibal Holocaust, all the Giallo stuff. Necromantic, I'm sure, was, you know, a big part of his film studies. And he was like, hey, you want to cover my film? And I'm like, oh, we'll watch it. I mean, and then he said, I actually have distribution through SRS Cinema, which I know and Clint knows. I don't know that Leah knows, but they uh, put out one of my favorite films from my childhood, Truth or Dare. So not the Madonna one. It's a it's a shot on video Tim Ritter film. I want to watch it and cover it someday. It's You've mentioned it so many times. I got to watch it one of these days. I was like, okay, so he's got distribution. This has some merit to it. It's obviously good enough that somebody wants to sell copies of it and people will enjoy it. I mean, for what it is. I don't know that you want the inside information, but you can cover your ears, I guess, if you don't want to hear it. Um, The director said that is actually his penis. I don't know if he took a picture of it and like superimposed it into the poster or was like, hey, this looks just like, wait, Yep, that's it. That, that mole right there. <laughs> okay, but having seen his wang out and about for the duration of it, um, I will say, you know what? That makes complete and total sense. Yeah, I would recognize that wang anywhere. So that that makes sense to me. Why do I envision a half a bottle of scotch and a pad of tracing paper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been a half a bottle of scotch for me, but many post-it notes. Uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so moving on from brian's penis and other people's penises back to the movie it uh it was extremely experimental uh, and the cool thing about these types of conceptual films and again i use that term loosely because it, it's kind of a broad term but it seems like for a filmmaker it kind of allows you to maybe either a be lazy or b make mistakes because things like color correction for example or the the ways an edit you would think would naturally be smoother and this one's rough or something um you could just not have the means or the technical know how you know how to do that and you just go well that was my style it was meant to that was on purpose to invoke an emotion or something you can kind of just discuss it off as art do you think some people do that on purpose or they're just lazy? Like, do some people say they're going to think I'm lazy because it looks that way, but that's really how I wanted it to look. I honestly think you can tell when you're watching a film. And so this movie right here, again, it's outside my wheelhouse. Um, it's I enjoyed it because this one kind of contradicting the point I just made, it looked like everything was intentional. And there were so many different forms and techniques of filmmaking, whether it was everything was very washed out or what in the beginning, the the young girls kind of lost in the woods or skip, not she wasn't lost. She was skipping around the woods. And I kind of got it as a, a babe lost in the woods. And then there were like these flashes of still animation of these caricatures. So yeah, there was just different color tones, different film techniques. A lot of different things went into to this film. I'm going to absolutely agree that I think that everything was very intentional. Um, I did note because it was reminiscent of just for everyone listening. I am very new when it comes to horror movies. I am in taking a lot more these days. I missed out on a couple years when I was younger. So I'm taking them in now. So if I sound a little new to horror movies, it's because I am. What it reminded me a lot of was The Exorcist, because that was a thing for them where they kept flashing the demon repeatedly, and it would make people so uneasy. And 
So in my notes, I had put that if you look away for even a single moment, you're going to miss something um, because they kept just flashing these weird, random little scenes. And I loved it, though, because it made me be like, what the fuck did I just see? What did I just hear? What did it-? it completely kept me guessing the entire time. And even just the beginning scene that you were talking about with the cinematography, the girl who was going through the woods, that part was just beautiful to me. So with that being so good looking and it would, there were so many gorgeous scenes, I have to feel that everything was very intentional and very well thought out. No, I agree. And you say there was so much in here that because it was almost an assault between the visuals and the flashes and the hidden images and the audio, especially, and just the different mediums used. It was almost an assault. You really had to pay attention to this film. If you drifted off, looked at your phone or something, you were going to miss something important because the story was a little hard to, to follow. I thought I was doing pretty good throughout the movie of piecing it together. And then at the end, I kind of got thrown and I'm like, wait a minute, I guess what I was, what I came up with doesn't make any sense. But especially at the end, there were some things right, right before the credits. I actually had to rewind it two or three times because I, I missed, I was like, wait, I saw, but what was that? I need to know what that is. I'm so invested into this by now. I need, I need to know. One thing that is undeniable though, as we go through the story is this story, whether I'm right or wrong with my interpretation or not, is this story centers around violent sexual abuse and dysfunctional family. We talked a little bit before we started recording and, uh, about sometimes films like this can be gratuitous. I really don't feel that this film, although if you decide to watch this film, I wouldn't watch it around your kids. I wouldn't even let them be an earshot or you're going to have some explaining to do. Uh, it can be a rough watch. So although I don't think that this was necessarily gratuitous because I think this film was actually the filmmaker working through maybe some past trauma or trauma of loved ones uh, in a family, because this really looked like someone who had gone through this. I've known quite a few people who have dealt with sexual abuse on, on, on all levels, you know, even down to the worst stuff. And um, this really looked to me like this stuff was them working through things they had gone through. And the thing is, is that we joked before about how I was mad that you guys made me watch this movie. It's the first indie movie. Once we got on and we were kind of discussing that and talking about how these horror movies are a way for people to work through their traumas. Now it actually makes me want to go back and watch it again. I watched it the first time I did enjoy it. I didn't, you know, I wasn't hiding my eyes the entire time or anything like that, even if it was uh, very violent at some points. Looking at it with new eyes, and I'm so glad that you guys explained that to me, it does make me see how someone can utilize this form of art as a way to work through that or to be able to express that to others. And so there is actually a part of the movie where I thought that it was very weird. And I was like, that's random. That has no point. It's where um, they were getting milk straight from the source from grandma. And I thought, oh, this is just gratuitous. This is silly for no reason. But then when you bring in the idea of nurturing family dynamics or something like that, what, it, what is the most, you know, mother's milk is nurturing. So then it's like, oh. Now I'm going to kind of think of it in that regards of maybe it's more symbolic than anything. So I love that, that train of thought on it. Well, see, and that's what I thought too. When I saw that scene, I thought it was really symbolic. And that was grandmother who I thought was the mother. That's what threw me was I thought I understood who the characters were. And then at the end of the movie, especially when I saw their, their titles and the credits, I was like, oh, okay, well that changes what I had put together in my head, but still the, the matriarch of the family, she looks upstairs and hears her, I'm assuming son having sex 
through like the open door and then she all of a sudden you know whips out her breast and starts secreting milk into a jar and i looked at that as as yeah she is nurturing his dysfunctional behavior i think one of the most important things you need to do before you watch this movie is pick your snacks wisely because (laughs) clint was having cereal with milk and leah was having tomatoes (laughs) (laughs) i don't recommend it (laughs) no because the sound effects are (laughs) it was terrible She's like, I'm eating a tomato, and then I hear this baby get mangled, and I felt like I just like bit this baby's head off or something. I don't know. It was awful, so don't eat tomatoes. I wouldn't drink milk during it either. That seems like it would also be too meta. Yeah, I think one of the most important things with films like this is, and there are going to be films that you watch, and you're like, okay, this has absolutely no merit. It's gore. It's pornographic for just to be, just to be point of, being porn and pornographic and gory. That's what some movies are. It's, they have their place. That's fine. It's not for everybody. Just like, I mean, not everybody likes Return of Living Dead or My Bloody Valentine or any myriad of things. But I, I've i probably said this a million times on the podcast. My son and I have sat down and watched Cannibal Holocaust. And I always premise that movie to anybody that I say to watch it is, it's important in cinematic history. You may not like what happened. No one should be okay with real animal death in that movie. That's a that culture. That's how things are. And it served a point. I mean, those that director got pulled into court in Italy and was put on trial for really killing people and had to prove that he didn't. And it they tried to censor it. And it, you know, it started this shot on video thing that's still going on today. So it's important in cinematic history, but it's not for everybody. I think what you're saying too goes along with again the the, the whole premise of this subcast, and that is um, outside of snuff films and outside of like pornographic material that you know involves trafficked people or something. Everything that gets made, even this film Darius, which if you've kind of gotten so far, it's it's gory and it's sexual. It got made. Plan Nine from Outer Space. I know it's a vast departure from what I just said, but I mean, you know, Ed Wood. It got made. It's what called the worst movie ever made, but goddammit, he had the passion to make it and it, it was made. So those projects, those directors, those filmmakers, those writers, they deserve some spotlight too. Say, I don't know. I've seen worse than Plan 9. <laughs> God, they need to come and hang out at my house. I'll show them some bad shit. I watched Demoniacs also. <laughs> <laughs> the movie will never, ever leave. Do you guys want to get into the a little bit more of the movie? Should we try to wet the palate of our listeners who might be interested in seeing this? Well, we don't want to spoil it too much because they may want to check it out when it's released on SRS Video. It's early next year. It sounds like it's going to get distribution. You don't want to ruin it. I don't think you can ruin this movie. You could probably watch it a hundred times and still be like, I missed something. And actually get a different perception of what's going on. I had the impression this film, this may be one spoiler, I guess. I had the impression that this film was incestual, but I wasn't for sure. And then when the woman who I thought was the young girl in the beginning who might have gotten raped by her brother and then she had kind of grown up in this abusive family, but I was wrong. She come to find out she was the mother. So that threw my theory. But she's upstairs and you see she's taking pills and she's kind of descending into madness and grief. And then the the grandmother, who I thought was the mother, comes up to console her. And I thought, okay, this is nice, you know. And then I was like, but then I realized it was incestual because the grandmother decides to console her by performing oral sex on her. And I'm like, wow. And again, the sound effects got got pushed up. 
kind of in a gross way. You're just kind of like, this is icky. I want to shower. It was not great at all. But then fast forward later on, a killer shows up, which again, I thought was maybe more of a nightmare or a dream sequence or even like an alter ego who finally snapped and was taking out these people who had wronged them, which, you know, come to find out it was somebody else, but kills the grandmother, guts her through her vagina, and then literally eats her out because ate all her guts from her crotch. That was the scene out of the whole movie where I was kind of, this is gross. <laughs> so it affected me. You know what I mean? It, I guess bottom line, as, as shocking and jacked up as this film was, as far as this, this subject, it was entertaining and made you want to watch it, but it still affected you where you're just like, oh, the baby got killed. That's messed up. Oh, that's gross. Am I ever going to be able to go down on a woman ever again after watching this? You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> The uterus scene is in my notes as I put the uterus scene is probably one of the most fucked up things I've ever witnessed in my life. And I stick by that note. Um, Now, mind you, and this is probably what made it even worse is the fact that I do have to applaud the special effects in this movie. I love not see what what is the word for it? Fuck where it's not CGI practical effects. I love practical effects. I love practical effects and the practical effects in this movie were so fabulous. And that's what also made it completely fucked up. They did a great job with the uterus scene. Well done. Just a terrible thing that I never want to witness again in my life. I actually dry heaved during it. It My, my tomatoes almost came back up, but it was visceral, the, the reaction that I had. We were talking before we hit the record button and you, we were discussing this a little bit and you said that you wondered if they used real meat for those scenes. And I said, maybe they used a placenta. It's very possible because it because there was even a little foreshadowing moments where you would see some some meaty substance hitting the ground and it looks very real and it could be a placenta. But then at the same time, too, going in line with how we keep bringing it back to this is someone who might be processing or trying to give a voice to people who have gone through trauma. You're literally taking you're stealing someone's womanhood to go through and take something like that. So that is very much I, I don't know exactly what they're trying to say, but it feels like it's trying to say something in that regard. I'm I'm kind of just making that up on the fly, but it feels like you're literally just reaching into someone's core and taking it. So now I have to watch it again. Well, it's, no, the, I, I think it's a point that I was trying to make earlier. You just said it way better than I did. And that is, it's not just a smut film. I mean, yeah, the, the it's graphic and it's taboo, but it, it has a voice. It is trying to say something. For how he approached it, it's actually pretty pretty well done. Completely. Like I said, I'm very new to horror movies. I'm, I won't harp on that a lot, but I watched it the first time. And the first time I was watching it, I was just taking it very much for face value because I was like, oh, it's a spooky movie. You're, it's just supposed to gross you out. But now that we're delving into it, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because it's making me revisit everything that I saw and being like, oh, this is where that fits and this is what he was trying to say. And it was a good movie. I was really, I was a little upset, like not upset, but I was a little just, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't know how to react the first time that I had watched it. And now I'm like very excited and passionate about it because now I'm like, oh, I, I want to be able to put those pieces together and figure out what the meaning is behind all of it. 
Well, there was actually even a range. So towards the end of the movie, this is kind of another uh, gross scene, I guess. But towards the end of the movie, the dad, who I thought was the brother, there's a picture on the wall of the young girl who I'm assuming it's the young girl who was skipping around in the woods at the beginning of the movie. Since he was titled as a dad in the credits, I'm guessing it was his daughter. Maybe he abused her and then maybe she died. I don't know. Because earlier he had visited like what looked like an old building and there was like panties laying there in the dirt. Like maybe that was the crime scene. Throughout the whole movie, you could tell that he was very conflicted. I'm not trying to to condone or give this guy any sympathy, but my point is, is the filmmaker was and that actor was able to portray that he was conflicted about what he'd done. So at towards the end of the movie, he's looking at that the painting on the wall of the young girl and he starts masturbating. Uh, and it's softcore, you know, you don't see it, but I mean, you know, you know what's going on. And you could saw he had this range of emotion where he was like reluctant. And then he was almost crying and then he felt guilty and then he just kind of gave in to his desires. Again, it hit this range. I don't know. It wasn't just smut. That was the grossest part of the movie to me. Really? Yeah, because I hope them people wear fucking socks around the house when they're out of bed. <laughs> God. Can you imagine? Just walking through the house like, oh, what did I step in? Oh, dad's been jerking off in the hallway again. It's not cat shit. The cat didn't shit out the box because the killer towards the end cooked the cat in the oven, so... So you actually just read my mind, and that is what I want to bring up as much as, okay, I'm looking at everything with new eyes. I'm trying to take things for a deeper level. I want to discuss, and you already let the cat out of the oven and let the cat out of the bag. The cat at the end gets put into the oven, okay? After rampaging the house, this is the final scene. I'm going to be really honest. It kind of pisses me off. Because I feel like it's a cheap shot in horror movies sometimes to injure or kill an animal. I do think that there are times when it could be utilized. Like in the movie I Am Legend, the dog passing was a plot point. In this movie, I think that if you took out that final scene with the cat, nothing would be lost or gained. You two are both much more knowledgeable with horror than I am. So maybe I... Maybe I just don't know, but what is your opinion on it? Unless he has some underlying meaning that we are all missing. The only point is it made you feel something. Clint and I have said this and 99.99% of people that watch films, any amount of films will say the worst thing you can be in a movie is boring. And if you elicit a response, you're going to go and say, you know what I watched? I watched this movie. This guy ate this lady's vagina out and he burned her fucking cat. And people are going to be like, what the fuck? What, what was the name of that movie? And they may watch it. If anything, it served the purpose that it made you feel emotion. It pissed you off. But the thing is, is that even in my notes, I put it's the horror equivalent of a cheap shot. You know, you're going to get a rise out of people and it's low effort. That's my opinion. Yeah. Unless there was some meaning that we don't get. Yeah, it. it it doesn't really serve a purpose. I actually kind of try to dig a meaning out of it, but I'm not too, I'm not hundred percent on it. So first of all, it reminds me of our last feature episode that just released where we interviewed Sylvia Kaminer, the director of follow her. And in that movie, her cat play, you know, towards the end, she used that she utilized, it was her Sylvia's actual, the director's actual cat in the movie. She used that to give the Jess character, wait, Jess. Yeah. The Jess character in follow her a humanistic side because up throughout throughout the whole movie you're you kind of are, are on the fence about her to a degree but towards the end of the movie you know danger is coming her way and she's more worried about her cat 
And of course the cat was like the only one that Brian said in the interviews, like the cat's the only one that was like pure. Everybody else was evil, you know? So that's just an example of it being utilized the opposite way of this film. Leah, I agree with you completely. I think that this, the cat scene could have not been in this film and it wouldn't have changed a damn thing. I tried to dig a meaning out of it and you may giggle, but towards the end of Darius, this naked cross-dressing man massacres this whole dysfunctional, sexually abusive family. I don't know if he's the brother. I don't know if he's the uncle. There was a picture on the wall of two young boys. And so I assumed maybe it was like the brother, maybe the one who planted the seed of madness in everybody. But he obviously hates women. He has a thing against women. Although he killed the, the other guy too. Well, I, I am giving the whole damn movie away. So when he put the cat in the oven, the only thing I tried to pull from it was, I wonder if this is like a whole, I hate pussy. I know that's a big stretch and I'm probably dead wrong and I know you're going to giggle, but that's if there were a meaning for that scene to be in there, that's the only thing I could think of. I would rather there be meaning to it, even if it is uh, if it if that was the thing is they were like, no, see, beginning and end. We hate pussy. We're going to just burn it all. <laughs> that's fine. But I just don't know. I don't know if that was the point of it or if it was just one of those cheap shots. So I won't be as mad about it because maybe in my head and in yours and maybe with the spooky community will be say, OK, it's because they hate pussy because I would rather it be for some sort of reason. Justice for Stella. Stella was the name of the cat, according to the credits. And I just thought justice for Stella. I will fully admit my my little explanation is a stretch. It's a Band-Aid. I don't think the Death Cat scene should have or needed to be in there. But I am curious, anybody listening, if we haven't scared you away from this film and you go and watch this film, send us a message on our socials. Email us at ilikeaspookypod at gmail.com and let us know what you think the meaning of the cat death scene. Hell, let us know what you think the meaning of this film in general is. Because we could be wrong. And that's another great thing about spotlighting indie artists is a lot of projects like this are up for interpretation. This could be about a freaking trip to Disney World that went bad and we're just reading it all wrong. Maybe we're all just sick, twisted individuals, you know? I don't know. I am. You are a sick and twisted individual. I feel like I should stand up and be like, hi, my name's Brian. I'm sick and twisted. And everybody goes, hi, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. So it, it almost looked like the director tried to bring a little comedy in towards the end, too. And so, I mean, it got so serious. The whole film was very serious. And at the end, it got real serious with the cat and the death. And it did one cool thing. I'll back up for a second. I, I liked how it almost brought in that kind of mainstream Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees type stalker thing. More Michael Myers. After all the killings had taken place, the madman escaped outside. And then you see shots through his eyes just looking at different houses and in different windows and it, it reminded me of the end of halloween where you're just looking where michael had been but this was almost like kind of the same thing the killer is still out there this can happen anywhere you're not safe it could happen to your home next and then of course he breaks into a window the screen goes black and you hear it start all over again you hear the commotion but he tries to add some comedy and at the very end the credits say madness and syphilis have never been so good <laughs> i did make note of that the other interesting part with that, that says it all, madness and syphilis has never been so good. But did either of you reverse the audio that was there as well? No, I have that written down that I heard the backwards audio and I wanted to play it back. But I figured since this was an Italian film, I couldn't pronounce the director's name correctly. Again, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm probably not going to understand it anyway. So I skipped over it. It sounds like you did. I reversed it and it was... <sighs> I don't know. Maybe I should just let y'all figure it out for yourselves. 
Don't spoil it, but you got to tell us when we get off the air here. I want to know. I will let you guys know. Of course, I jumped on that. I instantly was recording it, reversed it. It was very satisfied. It was totally worth it. Um, So I highly suggest that. So he did put in some really fun things at the end. Um, And with you, even just even just you explaining that about how the it begins again. And it's talking about how the cycle of abuse and that's what I got from it. Yeah. My jaw is on the floor that I missed so many of these things when I was just sitting there and watching it on my own, but being able to talk to talk about it with you guys. And now I'm like, oh, this is what it means. This is what we're doing. Okay. So now I'm sorry. I, I blame years of watching movies like I spit on your grave back to back with like PBS documentaries. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I I like the sick and twisted insight into it, but it also makes me this is why I'm starting to get so into horror movies these days is I realize that there's so much more to it. So, you know, it's not just we're just trying to gross everyone out or anything like that. It's people trying to make art. It's people conveying things. It's people trying to find those common grounds with others. And this is just the way that they've chosen to do it. And it was a weird movie at some points, but there were a lot of really lovely points to it. The cinematography was fabulous, like the way that it was filmed and all that. So I'm not trying to rush us to give an overall, you know, my overall view of it. But I I do think it was a great movie. It had a lot more pros than the cons. Justice for Stella. Justice for Stella. (laughs) Yeah, Brian, Brian, you might agree on this, but I I think a lot of times in in the horror stuff, especially nowadays, it seems to get lost, especially with the mainstream stuff. It seems to get lost where it is more cash grabs and we need to top the effects in the last movie and we need the best test audience. But horror has always been... So I can't remember who it was, but they talked about um, villains in comic books are actually ways for you to voice your real opinion on things of the world. It's, It's a way for you to say how you really feel as opposed to worrying about upsetting people because you're kind of hidden behind this person who people are supposed to hate, so it's okay. I think that's kind of what horror movies have gotten away from. And another thing that's great about us covering these indie projects here on, which we never gave the name of this episode, but it is going to be called Indie Indie Spotlight, but is that these independent projects, like you say, they, they're focused on that voice more often than not. They have something to say. I didn't even hear no backwards shit at the end. I'm thinking this is the difference between... The two of you and me, I'm like seeing this guy going outside looking at this house and I'm thinking, there is some old lady looking outside saying, William, William, there's a man outside with his dong hanging out. And the husband's saying, I'm watching Manchester United, woman, shut up. (laughs) Somebody's looking out the window being like, what the fuck's going on out there? You guys are like listening to the music backwards and shit. I was actually more worried about you, Brian, than I was Leah. Uh, You know, Brian and I kind of understood what this film was before Leah watched it. And so Brian's like, should we tell her what the movie is? Should we? And I was like, no, let's just wait because we were still trying to piece together the components of this this subcast, this project. I was like, we'll get to that later. Let's get everything in place first. But I was more worried about you, Brian, and, and you and I talked about this on the phone earlier before this recording, is that Brian, I don't mean to imply that Brian's stupid, but he likes, he doesn't like to think. He doesn't like movies that, more often than not, he doesn't like movies that he has to sit there and ponder and figure out the meaning of. He likes to relax and enjoy it and be entertained, which there's nothing wrong with that. So when I watched this, I was like, here we go. It's it's like the A24 of the indie world, you know, is Brian going to hate this movie? I didn't hate anything. 
The thing with the reversed audio and the why it stuck out to me so much is because that was such a big thing back in the day with the CDs. Everyone was putting the reverse audio. And especially back then with CDs, it was so much harder for you to figure out, what. Well, okay, how am I going to get this reverse? So it was going to be super duper hidden. Now... It doesn't feel like a lot of people do that, especially like off of Spotify and, you know, Apple Music and that sort of thing. But I was quick as could be. I opened up Audacity. I started recording and all that good stuff. It took me back to being a teen and trying to figure out how to do that. So Leah just dated herself. She's talking about backwards CDs and Brian and I are looking at each other like backwards records. What are you talking about? Backwards CDs. <laughs> backwards A-track. No, I don't know. <laughs> Although, Leah, you are reminding me of, of the time of LimeWire. I miss LimeWire. Oh, my 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 computer had so many viruses. I don't miss the viruses, but I do miss <laughs> LimeWire. Yeah. Will someone take this home, man? Are, are you, all in all, are you guys glad that we watched this film? Yeah, I think if he made another movie, the director of this made another movie, um, this film was interesting enough and done well enough that I would see what he did next. Just because this was so different, I would like to see if there's growth if he goes a different direction, what direction he goes. Like, I would like to see what's next. I actually would love to see another project from him to, I think it would help validate how I viewed this film. It would, because if he makes another film and it's similar to this, then it's like, okay, maybe this is gratuitous. Maybe this is just a guy out here trying to make sick art to upset people or will he have progress or different subject matter in his next film? And it's like, okay, so he is working through something. He, He did have something to say. I'm actually really glad that I watched it. I Like I said, I know that we were teasing about it at the beginning, but when it comes down to it, I'm glad that I watched it. When it comes to the critiques of the movie, it was just little things like some of the pacing or something like that, or maybe things that could be explained a little bit better. But there was, if you haven't deduced it yet from what we've said, there was no, there was no talking in this movie whatsoever. It was strictly sound effects and music just to make that perfectly clear. I was waiting to be able to document, oh, we were this long into the movie before the first person spoke. Not a single person spoke. So it is sometimes hard to convey things when you don't have any dialogue going on. So they still did a fabulous job piecing it all together that way. So all of the things that I not like I said, didn't even dislike, just were like, oh, I wish that this was a little bit cleaner, are very, very benign things that can be fixed easily with time. So yes, if this person came out with another movie, I would absolutely watch it. I would 100%. And all jokes aside, I do think I might end up watching it again, just so that I can look at it after this discussion, so that now I'm like, oh, I want to look at it through these eyes and through this train of thought. I, I think that it was a great movie. You were right. There was no dialogue. There was some mumblings. There was almost kind of vocal mumblings and some screams that represented different characters. But I, I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot to mention it's kind of a silly point. But when the woman upstairs in the bedroom, the younger woman upstairs goes mad and there's that scream, that scream is it's almost like the Wilhelm scream. I don't know what it's actually called, but it's it's almost as iconic as the Wilhelm scream in the haunt and in um, horror world. That scream, I used that scream in my old haunt corpse barn, and then they took it and like pumped it full of steroids. I was just like, oh, there was another sound effect that they used. It was kind of like the rusty windmill sound, which I don't really know what that referenced, but it, you you hear it a few times. I used that audio clip back when I did my very first website back in what two thousand three when I was running. Uh, 
uh, an old haunted house and an entertainment company I was trying to start called Freaks and Treats. So there were things like that that I picked up that were kind of traditional horror horror sound effects that were really cool. I tell you what, though, the, the flick, is, it's not boring. I don't think it lagged. It makes you think. But again, disclaimer, don't watch this around children. Don't even watch it if they're in earshot. If you want to, go ahead. But you're going to have to uh, do some explaining about some harsh, harsh truths of life if they catch any of it. And just really make sure that you personally are in the headspace to see something yes. that's on the heavier side, because it does delve into a lot of really deep topics. And don't be eating tomatoes while we, you watch it either. Cereal is fine, just not the tomatoes. I still think the milk is questionable. Whether it's breast milk from a human or breast milk from a cow, it's milk. So it's all the same. Straight from the source. We love it. Hey, can I go back to two quick things? I'm sorry to drag this on. In the credits at the very end, it says, in the memory of Ruggiero Dodato. And the first thing I thought of is I'm curious to hear the backstory. Brian, you seem to have a line of communication with the director. I think I might have you reach out if you don't mind or give me his information. I will. I'm curious who that is. I'm always curious about the dedications, especially in a film that's kind of controversial as far as the subject matter is this. Like, who wants their name attached to, though, he made this movie about the sexually abusive family. I'm glad he dedicated it to me, you know. But the other part, and this was kind of actually a little creepy, was it said, and dedicated to my American, and then it said angel in quotes, my American angel, Carol Drodge or Droge Parks. And I don't know why I saw that. And I was just like, what is that all about? It's a little creepy. Well, Rigurdo, or what'd you say? Rigurdo de Dato? Yes. Is the director of Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, okay. I mean- I would imagine it. There shows you his his influences. Being an Italian growing up in Europe or, you know, moving to Europe at some point in his life, that would be a huge influence on him. And he, I mean, he's a huge influence on a lot of directors and people in Hollywood. So Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino. And I mean, it's a, he's an influence on me. He's pushed me certain directions with films that I watch and enjoy. I always say, do you, does anybody enjoy Cannibal Holocaust? I mean, the music's fun. The music's amazing. You could play it at the dentist office and people would be like, this is the most beautiful song I've ever heard. You played at somebody's funeral and people would be crying because it's so beautiful. But then you, it's from Cannibal Holocaust. Well, Gruella Metropolitana, God damn it. I thought I was going to get it. <laughs> Gruella Metropolitana does. He enjoys it. Oh, there I got it once. Without stumbling. And, uh, yeah, I don't know who the American Angel is. You're going to have to find out. I don't, I don't know if I want to know. Well, you know, talking about influences, I know someone else who influences a lot of people. You guys want to know who that is? Who is it? Who? Our podcast network. So let's hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, don't forget to like and subscribe. Listen to I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Spill the Guts for Clint's News, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Listen to Mishmash for your Michigan Mitten Monster Happenings. 
What else? What else do we got? We got so much shit. I always forget. I like a spooky horror podcast. Feature episodes every two weeks. Sometimes there's three in a month. You know, if there's enough Saturday, Sundays. I checked out. I was so happy that you didn't call Spill the Guts appendages. Did you even say appendages? I haven't. Yeah, I'm getting there. Calm down. He's naming everything but his own. <laughs> I'm trying to make this as confusing as the movie we just watched and make sure they pay attention like the movie we just watched. Go along. You got to pay attention. Listen for appendages for your crack on Redbox free, free streaming apps. And for more free content, listen to Indie Spotlight. The third Tuesday of the month. I think that's everything. And take care. Bye-bye. Hey, support your weird friends, no matter how fucking weird they are. Because you don't know what the fuck they've gone through. (laughs) I said, I think that's what you guys are doing now, right? (laughs) Yeah. Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya? Justice for Stella.